anybody getting into their career should just be ambitious and have a drive to learn as much as you can. Always have humility and eagerness to learn and hunger to learn, but also be gracious and always a positive attitude. Always respect their team. Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. And we're so glad you joined us today. We have a really cool story to tell you. I am Wendy Grounds, and in the studio with me is Bill Yates. So today we're going to be talking about the tallest elevator test tower in the Western Hemisphere. This is TK Elevator's new North American headquarters at The Battery in Atlanta. It's a 420-foot tall innovation and qualification center. The three-building headquarters complex, which includes the tower, will eventually be occupied by more than 900 employees. And I've driven by this tower, and it is phenomenal. It's yeah, really big. it's so exciting to see it going up. And for those who are not familiar with TK Elevator, this company is one of the four largest elevator companies in the world. They have 50,000 employees globally. They do $8 billion in annual sales. That's Euro. So it's a large company. We're delighted to discuss that with Ben today. Ben Norton is the Vice President and Division Manager for Brassfield Gorry, which is the general contractor for this construction project. Ben, welcome to Manage This. We're excited to have you in the studio today. Thank you for having me. First of all, I want to find out how long have you been with Brassfield and Gorry, and just tell us some of the projects that you've worked on. Sure. So this January will make 20 years with Brassfield and Gorry. It's gone by very fast. Some of the projects that I've worked on the Georgia Aquarium most recently completed Predator exhibit and the Sea Lion exhibit that was completed about five years ago. The Emory Health Science Research Building, also Marriott and a Spring Hill Suites down at the GICC Convention Center down by the airport, St. George Village in Roswell is a large uh, retirement facility. A lot of work at Agnes Scott through the years and the University of Georgia and also recently wrapped up Passion City Church. So a lot of different market sectors there yeah, uh, to talk yeah. about. Now, you mentioned University of Georgia, but you actually went to Clemson University. Is that correct? That's correct. Do you care for their football team or you don't really follow them? They're not very good, right? Clemson's or Georgia's? <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> yep. All right. We could dedicate a whole podcast just to college football yeah, and rivalries. Yeah, but I'm going to move you along. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no real rivalry there. a long time ago. All right, Ben, we want to jump right in and hear about the project with TK Elevator Tower. Can you tell us the vision for the project and the purpose behind this tower? The test tower has 18 elevator shafts in it, and it'll be used to try trials for new concepts and product pilots, including their high-speed elevator technology, as well as their twin system, which is basically two elevator cabins in the same shaft. Now, the test tower will also conduct robust tests to ensure compliance with stringent safety requirements on standard elevators and different compliance, different state regulations throughout the country. To showcase the elevators in the test tower, what's really cool is the IQC will feature a complete glass exterior facade that faces the battery in Atlanta. It will allow all visitors annually to see kind of all the operations of an elevator that's normally behind the scenes, behind concrete or drywall shafts. In addition to the elevator test tower, the the IQC has an event and meeting space at the top of the lower part of the building and at the top of the building. So really breathtaking views up there, looking at the whole region. 
that's going to have a high-tech digital showroom, software labs, engineering offices, and training facilities as well. For those who are not familiar with the Atlanta area, describe the battery. Of course, the Atlanta Braves play at Truist Park. So describe where this building kind of fits into that. So I would say that the Battery Atlanta is you know really a mixed use facility anchored by the the stadium from residential to retail to office to hospitality between the Omni Comcast building there this parcel of land was owned by the the Braves Development Company and so this is really a partnership that made sense that TK Elevator had looked at a lot of different sites for this type of facility thing that was always interesting to me is if you look at their other test towers in Germany and China they're typically in rural areas, not in a urban entertainment district, and usually separate from other functions. So I think they were pretty innovative in their thought process to be leaders in the market of combining meeting space, engineering, training, along with this test tower, along with their corporate headquarters, and you know, consolidating all these parts and pieces of their company that were spaced out throughout the country into one place to enhance their synergy collaboration, but also what a marketing tool, you know, what a landmark to bring clients, designers, people who had probably never heard of TK Elevator, the layperson, not the construction industry, will probably get very familiar with that brand just from seeing the building. So I think it was pretty creative and will pay dividends in the long run. Yeah. Now, Brassville and Gorey, huge construction firm, but you guys don't do elevator shafts these kinds of projects every day. Is, was that a little bit different for you? It was different. We do do elevator shafts all the time, just yeah, not just a not... shaft by itself up in the air. You know, this was definitely a different building, unique building. You know, Brassville and Gorey, we work in many different markets, but I think sometimes people's perceptions is, you know, man, if that's a complicated, unique job, that's something that Brassville will be interested in. And that's mm-hmm. that's definitely the case. And so this one, Definitely fit the bill. The Battery Atlanta was important to us with relationships, and it's within walking distance of our office. Cobb County is our home, and so you know anything we can do to success of that area is top of our list. And so this was definitely a unique job to, to be a part of. I want to back up for a second. So TK Elevator, my understanding is they're one of the four largest elevator manufacturers in the world. And this is their North American headquarter building that you guys are constructing here. Is that correct? It's actually, there's two on this lot at the Battery. There is three Ballpark Center, which is an office building developed by and owned by Braves Development Company. TK Elevator has, Anchor Client has leased the floors there for their corporate headquarters office space. Across the drive, kind of the plaza, is what they call the IQC and Test Tower. So that's the Innovation Qualification Center and Test Tower. And so that's all those functions I was stating earlier. So that is their North American headquarter location, but it is right there with all their other functions of R&D, testing and training. One reason I bring it up is, so we're based out of Atlanta, Georgia. The Home Depot is headquartered here. We've done a lot of project management training down at their corporate facility. And I've always felt sorry for the people that worked in the store just across the highway, the retail store. Because I'm like, man, there's corporate right there. So you're doing this massive, important project for the company while their headquarters and the very important people are right there. So (laughs) it's just extra pressure for you as a project manager. 
I think you know our company culture was more of support than pressure. I mean, that's always in the back of the mind that there's a lot of people looking at this, but it's also from crossing the T's and dotting the I's and planning and all those good things, it, it got tons of attention from being a unique job, but it also from tour requests or seeing unique construction and it's easy access from the, the office is a convenient job to go take a look at. So, and you couldn't miss it. You yeah, know, when you were oh, driving yeah. around. So. <laughs> You're quite right. It it was a unique job. When you first heard about it, what were your thoughts? I think there was some new type of construction process that you had to use. Yeah, I think personally, you know, I would say enthusiasm, eagerness, just from a personal standpoint of enjoying challenging jobs, something new, something different, figuring it out, salesmanship and presentation of being the right fit for the job. I knew that it would be a signature project for years to come that would be a staple in the Atlanta skyline and that you know, being a part of that would be important. And so those, those kind of things are what I was thinking about you know, initially. I want to get nerdy with you just for a second. We've got some construction project managers that are going to kind of laugh and roll their eyes when I ask this question, but I do not know what slip form construction is. And I know that was a key part of this project at the 420 feet went up really fast, and a part of that was because of the approach you guys took. So can you describe slip form to us as sure. a, a process? So slip form construction is really describing the formwork type system or in a placement of the concrete. When the job came about, back to your other question, obviously the big feature is this concrete shaft 420 feet in the air. A lot of people don't know that it goes 60 feet in the ground as well that you don't see from the street level. We looked at that just from a project management standpoint, general contractor standpoint of what would be the best for the job schedule. How do we want to build this job? And the other method would be a jump form type system. What's unique about the tower is tolerances were extreme importance to the technicians and, and the facility who would be doing a lot of this testing that you couldn't have way out of plumb walls or, you know, even in and out of walls, I should say. Knowing those requirements, knowing that it was a critical driver in the schedule, that nothing really could happen until that tower got up, we started exploring these different systems. Brasso and Gorey had not done the slip form process before. We had several employees that, through their career, had done some work in that. So us as uh, concrete contractors were more than excited to learn something new and, and figure it out. I would say to the slip form process in general, it's used a lot more in other parts of the world than the U.S. And I would say in the U.S. it's used predominantly in the power industries, agricultural industries, due to lack of cold joints, speed of silos, things like that. You would see it in elevator shafts in the past. You just don't see it as much. now. You don't see elevator test towers that often either, so the application <laughs> of it, right. um, it, it deems that way. In Germany, they use the slip form operation for their past test tower, but what we really finalized and looked at on the slip form, to answer your original question, it, it is a formwork system that basically rides on a, a series of rods and hydraulic jacks that is the wall forms of the tower, of the concrete wall. They are not, you know, a 10-foot, 20-foot wide section of wall. They're a smaller height, and then it has working platforms that hang off of that form system. The part is that it's continuously moving. You can control the speed of it, but it's a science of the placement of the concrete, 
the concrete mix design, the speed of the curing, what's going in the wall. It takes a little while to get that right and understand and planned. But the intent is that you're constantly moving 24-hour operation. Wow. Because you're not trying to have cold joints. But I would say that we didn't have a cold joint requirement. Our interest in it was threefold. It was speed, it was safety, and it was tolerance. It proved to be extremely safe. We had two hanging platforms that had people rubbing the concrete while it was still wet to get a good finish as you were coming up. But also we were doing advanced placement of steel connections, knife plates to the end beds to pick up time when you started doing the steel afterwards. We were doing a lot up on that platform. It was just a really unique process to watch and mm-hmm. be a part of. And the speed was just, I mean, it's jaw-dropping when I'm thinking, okay, you guys, all right, 60 feet in the ground, 420 feet up in 50-something days? I think we averaged eight feet a day. Okay. We had some as fast as, as 13 and some as slow as seven. What was unique about the elevator test tower as opposed to you know agricultural silos or storage is it had a tremendous amount of embeds because what people don't see that everybody knows about the slip form and the concrete, but the truth of that project is it is an extremely complicated steel project. I often refer to that tower as a ship in a bottle because nobody saw the amount of steel that was in the concrete shaft. I mean, there was uh, four floors on top of the concrete shaft of steel of observation levels, and you couldn't put that steel on until all the steel underneath inside the slip form shaft came up. So if you can imagine the 18 elevator shafts I stated earlier, you know, the stairwells are made out of concrete. We brought those up with the layout from the designer. They worked to bring up the walls of the stairs as concrete. But the majority of all those shafts are formed through the steel. So there, there's upwards of 28 floors inside wow. in the elevator shaft. Okay, I've got to ask you a really dumb question, but I'm thinking... All right, we have a Major League Baseball team, the Atlanta Braves, that were playing. I mean, you could hit a nice golf shot and put it from your job site on their field. Was the construction going on during the offseason, or when were you guys going up 420 feet and making this crazy progress? There was a lot of planning put into the start when the actual slipping would start, but the project start got going in July of 19. We started in beginning or middle of December, starting to receive the material, shake it out, building the material. There's probably a month of prep, a bunch of stuff in advance before we actually built the form on the mat slab and, and started sliding. We started sliding in January, and so it was not baseball season. It was the dead of winter, and you know, that proved some challenges. But sure. we actually finished the shaft right before the COVID outbreak and everything. I mean, the COVID had just started and everything was about to shut down and we had made our last pour. We had some Austrian consultants from the slip form system that literally had to leave to get back home before they got shut Mm -hmm. down and wouldn't be able to get back in. And they'd been over here for a couple months. So we got lucky in the timing of that, that it wasn't baseball season and COVID wasn't affecting some consultants. Finn, tell us a bit about the triple constraints on this project. I know our project managers want to hear about the scope, the time, the cost. Can you give a little information about the budget and how that paid out? So just from a scope perspective, the TK elevator test tower is 420 foot tall. It's around 216,000 total gross square feet of research testing and training facility. The IQC building is attached to an integral part of the elevator research and testing tower. 
I would tell you currently the the hard cost of contract construction cost is around 109 million, I believe, is where we are today. So I don't know about the full cost of their program of their office building or furniture and equipment, things like that. So that's our hard construction cost. The timeline, it began in July of 19. It was originally scheduled to be done toward the end of July. Through additional scope and, and some coordination, that time has been moved to middle of October. Right now, we're tracking on schedule, if not a little ahead, but there's a lot of owner activities that are outside our scope that are being coordinated right now to get into that time frame. So about a two-year project? About a two-year project. Yeah, I think you've been hit with many challenges and obstacles. You were talking about COVID and the weather and, and things like that. So what are some of these obstacles or challenges that your team has had to overcome? There were so many challenges on that project, majority of them known and how we were going to attack them. There hasn't been too many unknown, but there's probably been ones that yield the best results that we might have changed the plan to accomplish. Some of our, our biggest challenges, a lot of people in the public probably couldn't see from street level, but the lot where the tower is goes 60 feet in the ground. And that was basically you hit rock at about 15 feet down. Oh, wow. So oh, you had oh, oh. Uh, solid rock and you had tight sight constraint right up against Circle 75 and you were landlocked with 285 and the Hampton Inn on one side. You had a Brass and Gory project. You know, there's seven inches divide the two project sites between the three ball park inches. center seven and inches. the IQC. Oh so then you got the Colonial Pipeline. Well, that's what I was getting to okay, was yeah. uh, not only did you have to cantilever shoring or fine complex shoring systems, which one was the right one to work. We had a combination of traditional lagging shoring, we had cantilever shoring, and we had soil nailing. And so finding the right solution in time and the blasting of the rock, you throw in the, the colonial gas line that was seven feet from the north side of the box, and Atlanta Gas Light was there also. Atlanta Gas Light actually turns and goes south along the Hampton Inn side, which you know, dictated a lot of what we were doing from a temporary road, how you got around the site and the shoring on that side. So there was shoring for the whole basement, not just where the tower sits, but the complexity of the blasting and the shoring and the tight site there was a huge first hurdle to get out of the ground. That was a big challenge. I think the other challenge, we've already talked about the slip form, which we made sound much easier than it was. But, you know, the, the challenge was back to the steel. You know, all that still was dictated by elevator design and what they were trying to accomplish from their test elevators. And a lot of that wasn't known immediately at the time. So there were, you know, changes that happened along the way that were much needed that we understood the needs of our owner that, you know, they're not going to build a test tower every five years like this job needed to be set up to be flexible for their needs. And it needed to be right from the beginning to give them the best product that they would be able to to move it. It wasn't set up for, you know, the test 20 years from now might be completely different than the yeah. test that we have right now. Right. So some of the thought process that their engineers had and what they needed, it sometimes came across as, well, we're making changes, but, you know, deep down understanding why the changes were being made and what was needed. Understanding that and what's involved with the steel layout and the embeds and the, all the different nuances inside the tower, extremely challenging. I think that the weather yeah, so you said the construction was going on and the slip form and the building up that 420-foot tower got pretty heavy in January. I've lived in the Atlanta area for a while, and it tends to be wet and cold and nasty. I mean, you may have one amazing day breakout and have, you know, wonderful sun, and everybody wants to live in Atlanta, and then it returns to normal winter 
I mean, you guys had a lot of rain to deal with, didn't you? We absolutely did. I mean, a lot of rain. Luckily, we only had a couple dustings of snow and ice, not too many long days of that, but definitely dealt with a lot of rain during the slip form process. And, you know, it'd be different if we were doing a lot of horizontal concrete placement, but it didn't slow us down. It was just really tough for the workers that were up there and supervisors that they worked through it all. You know, some of the cold weather, the cover and the canopy fabric that we had on the working platform, surprisingly enough, from the heat of the concrete, made it somewhat bearable. We did things that could do to, to make it okay, but definitely a challenging work environment for the guys to work for. And also the 24-hour process. You know, We had three shifts that were trading off. A lot of thought was put an end to that from crane operators to everybody that you weren't working seven days a week, too many hours on somebody. So that worked well, how we planned that out. The logistics on that slip form approach, you're just constantly pouring. It just blows me away to think about pulling all that together. And then the pandemic, did you have any I didn't get there yet. So the (laughs) obstacles, so, you know, we we accomplished the obstacle of getting out of the ground, not rupturing a gas line, Yeah, (laughs) not making the news, getting off to a good start. The tower has got great tolerance and good quality, no low breaks on concrete, embed placement. And then all of a sudden, we're about to start the steel structure and this thing called COVID hits. And so, you know, like any other contractor around the country and world, the dealing with it was like, okay, what else can be thrown at us? So definitely a challenge. You know, one of the questions I did want to ask you about that was, okay, it wasn't just we're Brassfield and Gorey, and this will be our response to the pandemic. This is what we're going to do at the job site. You had TK Elevator. You know, you had to think about your customer. You also had local and and state and federal government guidelines that are, it felt like at first, they were changing every day. So as you're trying to coordinate that, it's like, okay, I need to stay in compliance, not just for my company, but also for my customer, also for government, et cetera. So how did you know who to listen to? Well, there were a lot of people smarter than I was that Rasul and Gorey went into quick action and created basically a COVID response team. You know, at the corporate level and senior management level, that team met daily and were presenting communications to my level to disseminate to our teams and our clients of what we were doing. And those first couple of weeks were a lot of information flying around. I look back to that and it was a lot of clients, customers, everybody wanted answers. Nobody had any. I just want to know what you're doing. And everybody, I think, was trying to fill it out and come up with their own plans and trying to understand it. Brass and Gory works across many different states, you know, and the difference of state responses. There's just a lot of different moving parts there to get through. I think that when it came to this project, TK Elevator, what was very interesting about them and some of our other clients were very receptive to understanding what we were working on, things we were thinking about, things we were putting in place, but also collaborating on their plan because they were just like us of needing to know. TK Elevator is one of our largest subcontractors, not only our customer on this project, but you know, our safety and COVID response was affecting them of how they operate their business. See, that's a big point. I don't don't know that we brought that out yet, Ben. That's That's such a key point. You're doing this massive project for a client, that client happens to be a key partner because <laughs> you guys do go do construction projects that involve elevators. And, you know, TK Elevator is one of those that provides that solution. It is a, it is a unique situation where Brassfield is the customer and TK Elevator is the customer in the same uh, setting. So <laughs> wow, it's been great. It's been a great partnership. So back on the pandemic, did you guys lose any time? Did you ever have to shut down the job site? 
We did not. There was one main theme I remember when this happened was the safety of our employees and the the safety of our subcontractor and workers when it came to the COVID response. The second theme was because of our business, it would be detrimental for job sites to shut down. And then we had to do whatever was needed to ensure that they maintain running for our clients and to make their schedules. And so everybody just went into action of how was best to do that. The TK IQC and Test Tower, we never shut down during the whole process. You mentioned earlier about the brave season. I mean, one of the bright spots is that the public interaction or constraints that we're using on projects, a lot of those went away and got mitigated because right. of COVID from a construction industry perspective, where you were having to work at night on some project because of this. Well, they weren't operating anymore. Traffic and everything at the Brave Stadium that wasn't right. as, as present. because that's a huge thing. Right. Yeah. You know, every project has the ups and the downs and the good surprises and the bad surprises. When you look back on this project, what surprises stick in your brain? I think the performance of the install of the steel was always a surprise to me. Just knowing the complexity and how we were going to put the steel in was a huge success that doesn't get talked about enough to the public that we had very minimal steel issues from a erector install. It was a large steel job. You know, we, we took a chance on a new erector from out of town that we haven't worked with before. There were economics in play, but you know, also understanding the work type. They did a fantastic job, and literally that could have been a lot worse. Things How many tons of steel went into this project, do you recall? From memory, I would say there's about 3,000 tons total in the job. Interesting part of that is 1,800 of that is just in the tower. So truly that ship in a bottle type concept. There's some heavy steel in there for the reactions and the loads of the, of the test elevators in the tower. Yeah. I remember we talked with the crew about the Mercedes-Benz Stadium project and Bill Arden describing the, mm-hmm. you know, the right. tons and tons yeah. of steel that went into that. You know, again, they were trying to figure out how to construct that roof so that as the design morphed, mm-hmm. the thousands of tons of steel morphed. <laughs> so it is nice, Ben, to talk with you about a project where, boom, this was the plan we went with and the, the steel portion of that project went smoothly. And I would say it shouldn't be a surprise because safety is Brass and Glory's number one priority. And we put plans in place to eliminate hazards, but still the reality of safety is true. And and I would say the biggest surprise, we didn't plan for accidents, but just the sheer fact of that operation that we did, the complexity of the steel, and to not have any type of severe recordable or type accident was just a a huge achievement. Speaks a lot to the teams and the planning and the submarket for that. I agree with that. I've had the benefit of seeing some of the video of this time lapse and how this project went up. It's breathtaking, some of the shots of the steel being erected at such amazing heights. So we'll have to see if we can put links to that. Yeah, that was just remarkable. If you could go back in time and do anything on this project differently, would you? You know, I think that everything we put in place that we planned for looking back, we're not complete yet, but in the rearview mirror, we're we're close. We've done everything really close to original plan. There hasn't been any major things that said, wow, we really did that wrong. You know, from a technical aspect, I would say that the vertical transportation of the amount of workers to the top was definitely a challenge that, you know, going back, we would probably like to have some more capability there. Because it definitely, if you can imagine 30 floors of workers in a buck coist trying to 
get trying to get up there and everybody yeah. is stopping, you know, several times up and down, up and down all day long. It definitely had an effect on production and efficiency. And so there were some choices that were good choices to not have it outside, which allowed the exterior cladding and wrap to not be affected by the progress inside. But it also, it was, I think, overwhelming how much needs and how much time was needed to get the people up to the top. So yeah, you don't think that about that. I would say the other thing to do over or do differently is construction is a tough industry. And when you're in the grind, the project teams, you know, your head's down and you're working hard on the job and you're problem solving and you're planning ahead and you're dealing with complex issues. And two years is a long time to work as a team on complex things. You know, I would say that if you could do anything different is to go back and smell the roses or enjoy the ride to every once in a while, you know, to think about what you're being a part of and just enjoying the experiences and the stuff you're doing. And so sometimes that can get lost because it's, you know, schedule driven and problem solving and those Mm -hmm. things. So it's easy to say that on any job, but I mean, that's definitely would say the job's been a tough grind as far as schedule and just the complexity that could go back and I don't know how you get that across to just enjoy the the moment. I know. Yeah. That is such a great challenge, Ben. I, I think of not just construction projects, but any project that's over a decent amount of time, especially a two-year project, just how you pace the team and keep the team focused on what it's going to look like when it's done. When you have that ribbon cutting, oh man, it is so true because it's inspiring. I mean, you think about the excitement at a kickoff meeting with your team and everybody can see it and they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited to be a part of this team. Then you get into the grind, just human nature. I need to be reminded of that excitement I had at the kickoff meeting periodically throughout the project just to keep spirits up. You know, I may be so focused on the problem of the day that I'm just bringing everybody down and I need to be reminded, okay, this is one piece. We're going to overcome it just like we did last week. You know, look at where we're headed. It's a good reminder. A big challenge of that, not to bring it up again, but just from a personal connectivity and a social interactions or doing something outside of work with the team, whether it's Brassfield or you know, Gensler or, or TK Elevator. A big part of the Gensler team was in Houston. The TK team was spread out. But when COVID hit, you know, meetings turned to Zoom. And it's hard in construction to not walk a job site every yeah. day and know what's going on and having communications. And when those things are happening and you're trying to do it virtually and there's the unknown and following company protocols and can't fly or can you know, all these different things. It was about everything you could have thrown at you to work against you to have a social, let's go have a drink outside. Well, all the bars are shut down. So, you know, what do you do? do? Yeah. (laughs) So creative thinking in itself, just to find some social connectivity was a challenge. That definitely was an influence, I think, of COVID, of trying to keep the morale up on jobs. Okay, Ben, we can't have you in the room without asking. Let's say there's somebody earlier in their career or who's thinking about getting into project management. What advice do you want to share to that person? You know, I would just say that anybody getting into their career should just be ambitious and have a drive to learn as much as you can. Always have humility and eagerness to learn and hunger to learn, but also be gracious and always a positive attitude. Always respect their team. There's a lot of good engineers out there and problem solvers. It becomes much more about soft skills and approach of how you go through your problem solving that affects all your other team members and yourself. And so I would just say that when you're involved with tough situations to try not to get down on yourself or the situation, but celebrate accomplishments and the achievements that you are doing. Nobody's perfect. It's really about coming away from a team and understanding how everybody feels afterwards. And so 
on this project, the team used to joke, they would get down on themselves and go, well, you know, we're just building your everyday run of the mill test hour, you know, what's so, <laughs> you know, and they would say comments to me that we're not too proud to admit that something that we had planned didn't work out or yield the results we wanted and we need to change it. You know, be receptive to other people's opinions and other thoughts and look at the results and see if something's not working and be willing to change. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being our guest. And we've really enjoyed having you in the studio. That's been exciting for us to have someone back in the studio again after yes. a long time. If our listeners want to reach out to you, if they have any questions, they want to hear some more about the work that you do, what is the best way that they can get in touch with you? Email is probably the best. That would be you know, at brassfieldgory.com. Ben, thank you so much for sharing. It's just exciting to hear about this project with TK Elevator. Kind of blows my mind. I envision being at an amusement park and seeing these elevator shafts just going up and down and up and down and testing. And to think that you guys built that and the engineering that went into it is mind-boggling. Thank you for walking us through it. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And that's it from us here on Manage This. We'd love to have you visit us at velociteach.com to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or just to contact us if you have any questions about project management certifications in general. You've also just earned some professional development units by listening to this podcast. To claim your free PDUs, go to velociteach.com, choose Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says claim PDUs and click through the steps. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.